Welcome to The Forge X-Files with your host, Davis Potter. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Forge X-Files. I'm your host, Davis Potter, and today I am super excited to chat with Justin Fordham. Justin, welcome to the show, and I'll pass it over your way for a quick introduction. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Um, super excited about this. Uh, I've been looking forward to it all week, but a little bit about me real quick. I, uh, in terms of professionally, I started my career in sales, doing full sales cycle account executive uh, within the sports and sports advertising industry. Did that for about five years and then made a transition to the software world where I knew where the money was at and, and the, the opportunities for growth. Started out as an SDR at a MarTech company called Terminus, where I got to learn about ABM from some of the best and the brightest in the business and really fell in love with it. And so I, I took over a sales development leadership role. And then funny enough, a prospect that I had reached out to um, back when I was the SDR you know, we stayed in contact and everything. And uh, she reached out to me about wanting to interview me for an ABM manager role at her company. And that was that was exactly the transition I was wanting to make because I fell in love with ABM. I was like, I want to be in marketing doing this. I don't want to be selling a tool that, that does it. I want to be doing it myself. So this was, it was huge. Started out as an ABM manager, uh, moved into senior ABM manager, and then early last year, I made the transition to head of ABM at 360 Learning, which I was very excited about. Completely makes sense. Some of the top ABMers I've met have had the transition from sales to marketing as it's just so natural. Yep. And maybe even, even touching a, a bit upon that, what were some of the challenges or what was it like making the switch? I don't think it was that too difficult. Actually, I, I feel like the switch, like going from sales to marketing gave me a leg up from a lot of the people that started out as marketing specialists or coordinators and stuff like that, simply because, you know, when you're doing those, those roles, you're usually focusing on the campaigns and you're focusing on the clicks and the, you know, those kind of metrics, MQLs and everything like that. But when you come from a sales background, you're focused on like, where are we going to win? Where, how am I going to make the most money for this company? And that gave me a leg up because that's the way I think about marketing is not so much about the clicks and the, the, the MQLs that we create, but how many are turning into opportunities? How many of those opportunities are, are converting to, you know, qualified? How many of those are progressing? Stuff like that. And kind of going back to a point you said was like, it was a natural move. Like, when I learned ABM, I was just like, I, I thought that's how marketing was supposed to be done. Like, I, you know, coming from a sales background, being a full sales cycle, EE, I was just like, that's literally how I do my book of business. Like I only go after who I usually sell to the most, you know, and I, I start to understand my, my audience and, and who I'm going to go after. So I was just like, I, I just thought that's how marketing was supposed to be done. I, I didn't realize there was another way to, to do it. So that's why I fell in love with ABM. The amount of conversations I've had with people where I'm walking through, this is our growth ABM framework, this is enterprise ABM, and they look and they just go, isn't that just good B2B marketing? And I'm like, yes, yes, pretty it much. is. Yeah, yeah pre pretty much. That's exactly what it is. So when it comes to 360 learning 
would love to dive into what your program looks like now and Mm -hmm. how you've set the foundation and structure for it. So when I was brought in, you know, there was a heavy emphasis on outbound. We, especially in the U.S. So we're a European company, very strong brand in the in Europe, and but we're still new to the table in, in the U.S. And it's a pretty saturated market in the U.S. So outbound was was very necessary. Inbound, you know, is still is today doing absolutely phenomenal. That team is just like so amazing but you know the board and the execs know that like we can't live off of inbound forever if we want to achieve our arr goals and 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 move up Um, so outbound was necessary so really what we're focusing on is like we didn't we don't have the time to be able to do what some of these abm purists will call as true abm the strategic abm we're focusing more on that one to many type style. And we're going after uh, a lot of accounts, but we're going after a lot of the ones we know are good or showing high intent signals. So, you know, when I say a lot, we're not talking like tens of thousands or anything like that. I mean, a campaign will have maybe four or 500 accounts in it. Um, we're, we're handing over two, two high intent accounts per, per day, per rep. So, you know, we're, we're focused on bigger numbers compared to strategic, but, you know, the way I like to label is, is growth ABM and um, we're trying to build this outbound machine as best as possible. And then once we get that machine running, that's when we'll take the next step of, okay, we need to focus more on like one to few or even strategic marketing. Totally. And you mentioned the outbound motion and putting such an emphasis on that. Could we unpack a bit about how you are approaching this outbound, what it looks like, how you're partnering with the sales team? Yeah. So I work very closely with the head of BDR. I'm surprised he's not tired of me yet. Uh, we, <laughs> we meet so much during the week, but it's really helped us a lot. Me and him being on the same page about everything. It also helps that I come from a BDR management experience. So I, I lend my help there. He has experience working closely with ABM at other companies. He helps me there. It, we really do just kind of like, it's the yin and yang to, to this outbound motion. And so like the way I, we're viewing it is like, we, we've, we've got to get out there and get after these accounts as quick as possible. You know, there's, it's a very saturated market in the e-learning industry. And, you know, typically the first two to three at the table are the ones that have the highest chance of, of closing the deal. And so we're just trying to figure out like where in the buying stages are they most likely to actually take an opportunity at the earliest? Um, are we reaching out too early or are we reaching out too late? Um, so really f- trying to figure that out and pinpoint where we need to be to get these accounts. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix of high intent and some evergreen programs and one, you know, outbound campaign a quarter. Yeah. And how do you define a high intent account? Like what constitutes a score or whatever it is in your system? Yeah, that's a tough one. Oh, that's, that's what we're trying to identify. (laughs) That's, that's that that formula we're trying to unpack of like, where is that perfect spot to reach out to them that we can classify as high intent, meaning like 
this is the spot that we, if we miss them here, we're going to miss our chance. Um, we're still trying to define that, to be honest with you. We're playing around with it. We're trying to change things up. We just changed up our targeting strategy for high intent because we, we have six cents, uh, which is a phenomenal tool. And, you know, they initially tell us like, Hey, six QA, that's the account that you should be going after. We went against the grain and we were like, Hey, look, like, you know, most of our opportunities are coming from Europe. They're coming from smaller deals. So your six, you know, the, the definition of a six QA today might not fit exactly what we're trying to do for enterprise in the U S now that we've been with it for a year, we've had the machine learning things and we've had more U S opportunities. We've actually shifted to let's try the six QA thing out. So that's what we're defining as high intent right now is if an account is six QA, um, then, you know, that's high intent and we need to hit them as soon as possible. And for those who maybe aren't six sense users, what does a six QA look like within the system and how does it get passed over to sales? So there's, there's great integration to Salesforce and the orchestration can do really well. Um, Some really cool things within between Salesforce and Sixth Sense, but I'm going to butcher the definition of 6QA and my CSM. If he, Asa, if you hear this, I'm sorry um, if I butcher this so bad, but uh, basically they've taken all of the data of, you know, who our customer base is, when we're winning, things like that, mixing it with what they call the dark funnel of seeing, you know, their research intent. And, you know, as that progresses based off of the baseline they have, They've identified that at this point in time is the best time to reach out to them once they hit 6QA. Um, and so that's what a 6QA account is, is taking our first and third party data and really understanding like where are they at in their buying cycle. And, you know, it, 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 there is a black box to it. Like they, you know, Sixth Sense runs the whole thing. But yeah, we're, we're excited to see how it turns out. And you've got all of this data are you using any automation workflows yeah. at all? Yeah. So you, your, your second part of the question was how is sales getting the six QAs? So uh, what we had before is we built out a segment in Sixth Sense, um, which is basically a list of accounts utilizing filters within Sixth Sense. We built out what we called high intent, you know, what we thought was high intent. And then we built out a, an orchestration within Sixth Sense to every time an account gets put into that segment, it is then transferred over to, uh, to Salesforce and it'll either be created if it's a net new account or it'll just be put in our distribution engine if it's already a live account. And then within the distribution engine, we, ha- we set the parameters to say, all right, we understand that BDRs can handle two high intent accounts a day per rep. Um, and so our distribution engine will hand over those accounts with an SLA of 24 hours. And so that way we know accounts are being worked immediately. Um, there's no manual work where I have to hand over a list of accounts and do all this, these things in data or in Salesforce inspector and stuff like that. It's literally just funneling accounts to them and dripping them to the BDRs. And from a tactical standpoint, do workflows like Attriblio or any other type of platform, do you have any of those set up as well? Today, not not too much. 
you know, we, we have in terms of automation, you know, we have zoom info where we do uh, contact data, like uh, cleanup, make sure we have all the right information there. But, um, the only other automation I would say, it's, it's kind of a mix of manual slash automation, but we have a segment of accounts that we go after called job changers. And I use an outside tool like Cognizm or Zoom Info to identify who is a job changer. And what that, that definition is, is somebody who has changed jobs within the last 90 days. And so I will find those accounts in that external tool. I will assign the assignment status as what we label it. And then when I export them, they'll go straight into the distribution engine and drip to the BDRs with an SLA. And this job changers, may, could we go a bit deeper into what this specific play is and what is the definition of job changers? Yeah, yeah. So my my boss, he and our VP of marketing dug into the numbers of you know where we were winning and identified that you know, seven, around or above 70% of our opened opportunity came from primary contacts that had started a new role in the last 90 to 180 days. So, you know, there's something there. there. Within your first six months, you start to evaluate your processes, your current tech stack, and then maybe bring in ones you've used before or bring in a new tech stack, whatever it be. So it's a, it's a great time to reach out to them, whether that be to set up an opportunity or to just warm them up. And one thing we're, we're changing is that we, we went at these job changers with like direct BDR outreach, whereas now we're focusing on, all right, how can we warm these up in their first 90 days? Because not everybody's ready to make a decision in, in 90 days. I mean, you're still onboarding and stuff like that, but it's life after those first 90 days that we need to really get them in for an opportunity. So within the first 90 days, we have a plan where we're going to do a little bit of gifting, whether that be through a book that we found that's called Your First 90 Days for, of Leadership. And then um, another idea that I wanna do is that because we're in learning, I want to um, maybe give them a year subscription to Masterclass or Skillshare, whatever it be. And you know, with the message of, you know, in your first year, you tend to forget about your, your personal growth and, you know, here's to learning more, you know, new cool things outside of work and stuff like that. So we're going to test that out. Um, we might even throw in some sweets as well to just kind of give us an ABC test on what actually gains the attention. Um, and then after that, you know, we'll have BDR outreach, you know, following up with them. So a lot of moving things right now with job changers, but it is an area where we really want to focus a lot on because that's that's the sweet spot for for a lot of these primary contacts. It's a really unique play, and I feel like you don't hear enough buzz around the job changers from a ABM standpoint. On the sales side, definitely do around. Oh, you know, this decision maker just switched to XYZ account. But how do you actually put together a cohesive campaign for ABM that goes and and targets people who have just changed their jobs? And so you've got this really cool direct mail aspect, and then it transitions into the BDR outreach. Mm -hmm. Now, how many accounts are you typically covering in one of these motions? Or does it just fluctuate? 
We're sticking to the two job changers per day per rep. So yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're focusing on that. I would say like right now I'm running a, a small workshop for job changers called new L and D on the block. And we have about 400 job changers within that. So yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're targeting where from four to 800 job changers within a, you know, half a year, something like that. It fluctuates. It, it does, you know, there's times where, you know, the massive layoffs happen and people are starting new jobs the next month and everything. So the spike goes up and then it kind of goes down, but you know, it's a time, like I said, it's where people start to really think about making changes is always in their first six months, if not first year. And, um, yeah, it's a great time for a company to reach out, warm them up and get on their radar for when they are ready to evaluate. Like we're one of the first people they think about, um, because of that, the way they felt when we reached out to them, it wasn't just sale, sale, sale. It was, you know, Hey, notice that you did this. Congrats. Um, here's a gift, no strings attached. We, we, you know, just as a congratulations, something like that. And there's some really cool tools that are coming up because I think the job changers thing is, is starting to pick pick up some steam within the market. There's some really cool tools out there that, that can help you identify like where your, you know, people at your customers are changing jobs. Like a company called User Gems, for example, they're doing a really cool thing where, you know, you can identify customers that have changed jobs. So that's, that's a tool if, if you know, if you're wanting to look into this uh, and you're a small person team, like that's a great tool to have right there. And on the personalization side, when you're covering two accounts all the way up to 400 with mm -hmm. this type of motion, what does personalization look like? That's something we're trying to get back to. You know, we have some personalization on the BDR side, you know, within the, like the first email, we're, we're really wanting to get back to personalization because we, at one point we were just doing so much that we are like, BDRs just don't have time to personalize all this. Like we're going to write the emails for them and that's it. Um, but we're, we're making that transition back to, all right, we need to slow down a bit and go after with, go after these accounts with better personalization. So doing less, but doing better. Yep. That totally makes sense. And one of the biggest questions that I have from your side as well is all around attribution whether job changers or your growth ABM program as a whole, what are those core metrics that you're looking at day in and day out? Yeah, I, it's, it's tough. Attribution is such a tough topic for, for marketers. Cause I mean, you could go after first touch, you can go after last touch today. We're doing last touch. So basically any, or any account, that an outbound BDR creates an opportunity with is an, is an ABM uh, SQL. And SQL is a qualified opportunity. And so, yeah, that's where we are today. Will we get into like influence versus generated first touch, last touch, something like that? Maybe in the future. I'm not sure that's that's out of my pay range. But, you know, as of today, it's whatever BDR is creating an opportunity or outbound BDR is creating an opportunity that is an ABM account. Yep. And 
when it comes to partnering with the sales team, I mean, you in your program, there is such a tight and strong alignment mm -hmm. between both. Is there a report or unified metric that you're both looking at expanded on from that SQL or is it really just going heavy in, in that SQL motion? Really heavy in the SQL motion right now. I think as ABM evolves over time, we're going to be focusing more on like life after the SQL. You know, how are we accelerating that pipeline? How are we helping close more deals? Like, really want ABM to have more of a hand in like post demo, and you know, have more more touch there. But right now, our main focus is getting top of the funnel and creating as many SQLs as, as possible. Yep. Yep. That completely makes sense. And as we're just at the top of the episode, the one last question that I know our listeners are dying to hear, especially the ones who are either early on in their growth ABM strategy or are just about to launch. If there was one piece of advice that you could give, what would it be? Make sure that you and leadership, meaning marketing leadership, C-suite sales leadership are all on the same page and manage expectations because some C-level will like to say, we need to do ABM without really knowing exactly what, you know, what type of ABM, what, how do you want to do this? Do you want to focus on strategic accounts? So we only have five accounts that we focus on, or do you want to do one to few? Do you want to do growth? You know, making sure that you guys are all on the same page um, really helps set expectations and, you know rc level is more interested in we need to create as many opportunities as possible for our sales organization so i know that i have to do a, i have to take an abm growth approach versus an abm strategic approach that I, i've done in the past you know if you have a strong demand gen that's doing eight or outbound and inbound then you can say hey the our focus doesn't need to be top of funnel. Our focus needs to be middle to bottom of funnel. But all that to say, I'm rambling, but it's really just making sure everybody's on the same page. Because that's where I hear the most hiccups in ABM is like sales thinks we're doing strategic accounts. C-suite thinks we're doing growth. And ABM sitting there like, which one do you want to do? I, I don't know yet. Like, let me know what strategy we want to focus on. And then... We'll put this together. Alignment and expectations. Probably yes. right next to your target account list, the most important things to really have locked down. And Justin, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today and really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, man. I appreciate this. This has uh, been fun. Yeah.